0: From the EPR Creations studio, this is Unconquered with Doc Staples. I'm Doc Staples. As always, this podcast brought to you by EPR Creations, bringing you the best of internet marketing and website development for an affordable price by Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida. Seriously, have him stage your home. You'll sell it faster than you would for a higher price. Nobody takes better pictures for online marketing and all of that, and Shenandoah Real Estate in the Research Triangle of North Carolina. I can say the same thing about her for this region, for that region, as, uh, as Lewis, and she's going to out-research everybody as a trained PhD in real estate and buy Garage Makeovers, the number one garage remodeling company in South Florida. Be the envy of your neighbors. Get your garage completely redone and make sure that everything has its place. All right. Well, this has been a a wild week, uh, going to the game and the game being on Sunday puts everything behind. So I'm doing everything I can to get, uh, to get a fuller evaluation and analysis in. And I wanted to do a, uh, a week one over reactions and everything else. And boy, not getting back until not getting, uh, getting everything set until Tuesday morning makes that a little hard. So, uh, I'm going to do my non hot takes recording here, uh, after having taken a look at the replay of the game and, uh, go through some things, basically a little bit more, uh, in depth and a little more carefully than what I did on the uh, hot takes podcast, which of course was, uh, recorded on the expressway and <laughs> while I was driving back from the game. So a whole different, uh, different world with that one. But, um, but yeah, a few things that absolutely stood out on uh, not only on a rewatch, but just reminding me of some things that stood out when I was there. First of all, uh, I want to emphasize how much better Florida State was in coverage than they've been in recent years. I, I think the cornerbacks, uh, diff- the difference with the corners allowed Florida State to be much, much more uh robust and and varied in how they did things up front and just gave them a lot more flexibility defensively and frankly LSU has probably the best wide receiver core Florida State will face this year in the regular season aside from maybe Wake Forest but I think LSU probably has the has the best group so you know if you don't give up a bunch against them that's a really good sign that's a really good sign for the rest of the year. And you could see the difference that Ventrell Cypress made. Uh, one of the things it, it's hard to tell again on TV copy what's going on downfield at times. But uh, when I was watching the replay, it was it, it, again, it's one of those things where you could, you could be deceived to say, oh, well, you know, Florida state didn't cover real well. Cause there were guys that were open at times, but there were a lot of times where Daniels just did not have a place to go and you can't really tell on the tv copy why but it's because he he was trying to target one of those corners in particular uh and they're just they they locked their guys down there were two or three times uh, toward the end of the first first half for example where you've got Cyprus on the defensive right side offensive left side and they they have him man to man isolated in a solo type situation up against uh Neighbors and Neighbors just could not get free and Daniel's just tossed it out of bounds a couple times trying to hit him on some verticals and it wouldn't have mattered if it had been on target because Cypress was absolutely smothering Neighbors in those cases. Uh if you go down to the to one of the goal line stands where there that first goal line stand they tried to get isolated on exactly what they uh where they would have advantageous matchups they lose on a on a fade on the uh on the left side to Neighbors He's just taken out of the play by uh, by Green, and then after that, they tried to do a little wide receiver screen with a uh, with like a, a, a corner route or whatever it is behind it, and none of it was open. I mean, greedy Vance and uh, and Green t- took away one bit. You had Cypress take away another, and then that led to. Daniel's having nowhere to go, and then allowed the allowed the time for the, the the sack there. So there, well, allowed the time for him to get sacked in the, on the next play. So uh, that's where he had to throw the ball out of bounds, essentially, or did throw the ball out of bounds because neighbors ran out of space. So I mean, they defensively, this happened over and over again, and again, one of the main adjustments that was made, and and this is hard to see on the TV copy, is bringing in Az Thomas to play essentially the money role. So they, they went to a single linebacker set. Once they realized that, that LSU could not run the football on them, on their front, that allowed them to basically bring in one more one more uh, defensive back who could give them the capacity to, to cover. And they took away Mason Taylor at that point with AZ Thomas. And once Taylor was no longer an option on a lot of those uh, flat routes and all of that, this game was over and you know LSU could not move it and and one of the things that, that again you don't see on the TV copy is a number of times where they're releasing uh they're releasing Mason uh Mason Taylor and they are trying to he's the first read for Daniels he's taken away by Thomas and then he's looking somewhere else and he's taken hit taken away by Cypress or by Green and then by the time he's in you know that third or fourth spot he's either got pressure or he's taken off a few of those times when, when he took off, it was because there was just nobody there. And then a few of the times Florida state got pressure. It was, these were a combination, not just getting, not just LSU getting beat up front, but they were LSU getting, getting smothered on the back end. This is a really good defense. Uh, I don't, I don't know that I could say that it's an elite defense. I think with Daryl Jackson, this, this might be an elite defense, but, uh, but with the group they have with Cypress and green and AZ Thomas and greedy Vance and Jerry and Jones and that group, they are now good enough on, uh, on the edges to, to be a really good defense. And I'm not sure there's a team on this schedule that's going to, to score a whole lot more than what LSU did in this game, because LSU, LSU's good, good offense. And that, that also stood out in terms of, uh, of, of, thinking about thinking through this game and thinking through its implications for the future. That LSU team is not a bad football team. That is not a team that, that was overhyped really coming into the season. That was a really good team. They're going to contend for the sec West. I don't think they're going to win it. I think that's probably going to be Alabama or Texas a I think those are the two best teams on the, uh, on the SC, in the sec West. I, I said last year, I thought Texas a would be in for a rough year. I thought they were a year ahead uh, in terms of the hype which often happens with these elite recruiting classes. And turned out they also had a few turds on that roster that they had to purge. And now all of a sudden, some of those younger guys that were freshmen last year, sophomores, and they had a good class before that that are now juniors. And that's going to be a really good football team, that Texas A&M team. And they're a team that now Miami has to play this week. So that should be fun. And again, you look down the, down the list at teams that Florida State's going to face and Nobody else is sticking receivers out there, a whole core of receivers that's as good as LSU, except for maybe Wake Forest. And again, Wake Forest, you know, they lost one of their two two top guys at the beginning of the year. So that bodes very well for Florida State. And a few things also stood out in watching the replay is how much LSU had prepared for things that Florida State struggled with, not only against them, but against uh, Oklahoma and some other teams last year. They went with a lot of bunch formations. Florida State was terrible against the bunch last year. Uh, they used a lot of motion to try to uh, cause problems for the safeties and corners and, and, and backers as they communicated there. And they did a lot of uh, quad-type stuff where you know you end up with a fourth guy going to the same side, so flooding the same side. All things that Florida State struggled with last year. That is, bunch, motion, stuff. And then, you know, four to a side and Florida state handled all of them a lot better than they did last year. Again, I think you can see that uh, Patrick Sertain has had an, a significant impact for Florida state as a coach, not just as a recruiter. They've, they've benefited their, I think the back end communicated better and the corners just in terms of their overall technique and all of that, they were much better. Uh, they, they, one thing you did not see was a lot of panic from the corners, even when they were, when they appeared to be beat or when they had to make up ground, they fought and they finished. And that's one of the things that really stood out. You think about uh, Thomas with the one where, you know, it's a little hitch route and he's a little bit late. There doesn't have the best angle, but manages to punch the ball out. Anyway, gets his hand in there and you could see the frustration from, from LSU there from the LSU receiver. That was number 11, I think. And, uh, he he just got frustrated because again you you feel like you've got the guy beat, but that's one where just the effort level, the lack of panic, and then just finishing the play—that's the difference between a first down or more and then LSU being in a in a long yardage situation or, or having to punt. So uh, so yeah, a lot going on there, but I thought the back end for Florida State was a lot better, and uh, Cypress is. Cyprus is better than I thought he was based on the spring game and, you know, some of the stuff from practice uh, looks like he he's he's a guy that you want locked in on game day. And honestly, I'm not sure he's not the third best corner at Florida State, but he's he's a he's a guy that will play probably in the NFL and, you know, probably not be a high draft pick, but a guy that can that can handle, you know, these NFL caliber type wide receivers that, that LSU put on the field. And the other thing is that these guys are used to going against Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson, you know, Destin Hill, Winston Wright, <laughs> Deuce Spann, Darian Williamson, etc. And so they've, they've been through the fire all camp and they, they looked like they've, they've really benefited from that. Another thing that I wanted to bring up here is that, uh, it was really interesting, especially in person to watch LSU's team mentality in this one. They were a very confident team coming into this game and felt like they were going to come in and just handle Florida State and set things right after. I think it's pretty evident that they thought Florida State won last year's game and it was kind of that that, when Florida State won last year's game, it was a a bit of a fluke. So they, they thought, okay, look, we come in, we clean up the mistakes that we made last year and we're the SEC West champs. We're, we're much better than we, th- than we were last year, and we're just going to handle these guys. And then you could see after drive one, where they got down inside the five yard line and had six cracks at it and couldn't do it. You could see them kind of like, huh? Huh? <laughs> just collectively as a team. And then when Florida State got in first and 25 after one of the softest. Offensive PI calls. Watching it live in the stadium, I, I I couldn't really see what what whether I agreed with it or not. <laughs> but that was that was really bad. Uh, after that play, you get you get a team in first and twenty five, and that should end the drive, and it didn't. <laughs> FSU just casually and calmly eleven yards on first first and twenty five, then you know get a little get a little bit on second down, and all of a sudden you get your get your third down conversion with that little uh scramble drill on a really nicely designed play a little shallow where uh they had some verticals working on the front side so it was like a 3 verts to one side and then the shallow coming across from the left and then you know Jordan understood if he can't get it to the verticals his out is take off right and you've got a guy coming in Wilson who is uh tough to tough to cover He's coming open on that shallow. You get him on the shallow. You get a first down. And all of a sudden, after first and 25, you've got a you've got a first down. That's deflating for a defense. And then the next play is Keon Coleman. And you realize, like, oh, they got that dude. <laughs> so you could see that being a bit of a shot to LSU's confidence in terms of not being able to handle FSU's defense up front and then having some trouble with finishing the drill on uh, a first and 25. And LSU managed to hang in there and sort of got their confidence back going into the half. You know, they were up by three. But again, as I said on the, on the Hot Takes podcast, sitting there live or standing there live, the, the feeling was, look, I mean, FSU played really poorly in the first half and LSU's only up by three. Like, this is a really unstable lead for, for the Tigers. You know, if, if I'm Brian Kelly, I'm telling those guys, like, look, they didn't play well we didn't you know, play great, but they didn't play well. And we're only up three. We need to make sure we, we, we finish things. And if I'm Mike Norvell, I'm going, guys, just clean it up and you can blow this team out. And that's what they did. And you could see by the end of the third quarter, LSU realized, I mean, it was one of those things. It's like getting in the ring with a, with a boxer. You've got a boxer who comes in absolutely confident that he's going to knock out his opponent and pretty easily. And then that guy gets into the middle rounds with someone who has been able to take his best shots on the chin. It's like, I've hit him with the, with the best I've got. And he, he doesn't look worse for the wear. And now I'm in trouble. Like you could see LSU get into that, into those middle rounds and realize like, uh Oh, like I I don't think we are what we thought we were. And they definitely aren't what we thought they were. And, You know, I think this is something this is actually a sort of weird advantage that a team like FSU can have when playing against an SEC team is I think, you know, the confidence from LSU coming into this game partly arose from their winning the SEC West last year and therefore believing that, like, look, we're we're better. We're more talented than the teams we're going against. And even though they had played Florida State last year because it was at the beginning of the year. Because of some things you could point to as like, well, you know, we should have won that game. Just make a kick, etc. Well, you hit that SEC team in the face and take their best shot and demonstrate that you're actually the physical aggressor, that you're the more physical team. And you can get those teams to doubt a little faster than some of these others. So. You know, I—that's I, an interesting thing. I think once you break through that initial confidence, you can get those teams to doubt. And frankly, LSU got got to the point where they were doubting by the end of the uh, end of the third quarter. And when FSU started pouring it on with a couple touchdowns in the fourth, they they flat out quit. And I've, I don't think I've ever seen an LSU team quit, but that team quit. They did not. You know, they 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 went down for the ten count, and they just you know throw in the dang towel. And that's what they did and that makes you kind of concerned about where LSU is as a program under Brian Kelly. But, uh, but that team quit. And like I said, I, I have not seen an LSU team do that pretty much ever. So a few other notes from the rewatch, and then I'll go through actually some of the notes that I had in, in live, you know, I was taking notes from the, from the stands and wasn't able to read these really because I was driving. But, uh, a few other notes. One is, I thought Jared Verse played really well in this game. You know, he didn't impact the game and just dominate, just dominate to the naked eye, uh, to the casual watcher like he did last year, where he just ate Will Campbell alive. And Will Campbell's gotten a lot better. There's no doubt about that. We talked about that coming into the game. He's gotten better. So you know, I don't think Verse was just going to dominate him that way this year, even if even if they had lined up the way that they did. Other thing is that LSU put a lot of effort into protecting their tackles. So, and in particular, wherever verse was, they chipped him a ton. They put the bunch to wherever verse was. They did a lot of different things to try to force him into situations where Campbell would, would have an initial advantage in terms of leverage. And and so that was, that was definitely something that LSU schemed, but here's the thing, Florida state expected that it's pretty clear that they expected that. And they ran, you know, some tight front type looks with verse, almost as a, you know, you know, versus in the four eye at times, you know, over the inside eye of the, of the, uh, of the tackle rather than an edge rusher. Uh, there were times where they did, they did a lot more loops and, and, uh, stunts up front in this one than they did last year where they just turned him loose and they asked him to be much more sound in his run fits. And, and in terms of his pass rush lanes, I think the plan was not so much to, to get pressure on the edge from the ends. There are a few times where they did that, where they lined up with the wide nine and some of those things from the ends so Or only a few plays. Uh, and you get the one where verse uh, did beat Campbell right off the ball and and nearly forced a fumble, you know, basically forced a, a throw into the back of the offensive lineman. And by the way, my, in my notes, I see this as well. Um, Right before that play i I'd, I'd commented to uh to my my friend again uh this is one of the one of the show's sponsors the the owner and uh proprietor of garage makeovers so I, I said to Nathan right before that play, I was like man, verse has been a little quiet yet, right about now is when you'd expect to see him see him do something and right at that moment, verse burst and you know got into the backfield, and you could see that's basically what they asked. they wanted those guys to be much more. Uh, careful in their rush lanes and not to get upfield too much on most plays. And then every so often, periodically in certain situations, they'd turn them loose, but only a few times because it was evident that they were, they felt like they could cover downfield, and that the key was stop that, stop the run with those front four. And then make it difficult for Daniels to escape with those with that front four. They wanted to compress and constrict the pocket more with the uh with that front four than than getting a bunch of sacks or trying to get around the edge with their ends. You know, they they were willing to trade maybe an, a sack or two extra from the ends and maybe some stats for for verse. They were willing to trade that for Daniels having to throw from a muddy pocket and from guys in his lap which he just he's not comfortable when he does that and they were very successful with what they did and you got to give verse a lot of credit for doing what he was asked to do when you know again to the casual watcher it's not going to look as dominant but he handled his business he won that matchup against Will Campbell and then across the board uh Fisk is as advertised off the ball he did get Bullied a couple times on some double teams where you know he needs to get needs to stay a little lower and and all that. He also got held ridiculously a few times. Uh, I thought Dennis Briggs was one of the best players on the field on uh, on Sunday night as well. Briggs Briggs made himself some money on Sunday, and if he keeps playing like that, he's going to find himself playing on Sundays next year or you know whenever <laughs> whenever uh, his opportunity comes. But he 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 could find himself getting drafted. Uh, Love it. Love it only played, I think 20 some snaps, but he was, he was very good. They used him specifically on rundowns. Uh, you can see he's not fully healthy. And then the other guy that was a revelation, I I finally, I got some texts after this one. And one, one text I got was, uh, was from Steve pointer, who uh, some of you will recognize from another uh, old, no, no longer running, uh, they ran what the unconquered talk podcast where they stole a uh, part of my name, which I stole from Florida state's branding. But anyway, um, but I got a text from Steve pointer saying you a believer in, in, in farmer yet. Cause I, I've been telling him during the off season, like farmers farmer is he's going to be a good player, but he's got to proof to me that he's there this year. Well, you got me, son. I, I am now a believer <laughs> farmer is now a top tier defensive tackle at in in this conference and and he's a he's a guy that's going to be a problem for everybody this year farmer played like a first or second team all acc type guy on uh on sunday and i mean again so did so did briggs i mean those guys played like traditional florida state defensive tackles it's no longer a situation where the depth is is killer now i do think malcolm ray got a little out of his lane in one case and then, you know, got, uh, got, got, uh, pushed down some on the, on the one touchdown, uh, uh, on that short, short field situation after Travis's should have been interception there. Uh, but, uh, and, and by the way, they had the entire backup defense on the field for that. I mean, that was from the 50 they're lining up with, uh, with Malcolm Ray. And I think it was Ray and Briggs, and then they had Omar Graham in there. They had you know some backups in the secondary. It just shows you how confident they are that that's the group they stuck out there from the fifty, and they didn't take those guys out when they got inside the ten. They were committed to playing their full two deep on defense, even when in certain cases I would have probably preferred them to put the first first guys in, but that ended up paying off because down the stretch they were the fresher and better team in the second half i mean they they bullied lsu in a way that again how many times have you seen an lsu team just get flat out bullied and again how many times have you seen an lsu team quit so yeah and there were a few things that lsu was able to do that gave them trouble and specifically that had to do with uh with putting the backers in a bind with some backs i mean that first play releasing the back out of the b gap and then Uh, working. It was a tough, tough situation in terms of eyes for, for the backers and the, uh, the star trying to sift who's responsible for, for what on that cover seven look. And they did some of that on the, on the night, knowing that that would play with, with what Florida state likes to do and how they, how they handle their assignments. So it was a little bit of that. And there, you know, there were some guys that got open in those cases, but by and large, this was really good defensively. Oh, and another uh, important note here. I, I thought Florida State also identified the weakness for LSU's offensive line. Uh, Miles Frazier, the number 70, he was the FIU transfer that Florida State looked at a couple of years ago and, and ended up, I think they basically just passed on him. They, they preferred Bless Harris to him, essentially. And they made the right call. He, he got handled in this game. He was the weak link for LSU up front. And he was repeatedly handled by Lovett, Briggs, and Farmer. Uh, I thought both offensive guards uh, for L- LSU at times had their hands full. But over and over again, Fraser got blown up into the backfield, and that just cost them any chance they had at a positive play, especially on short yardage. Uh, it was it was impressive what what, what FSU did in that uh, in that that department and recognizing that that would be something that they could take advantage of and how they lined up and, and took, uh, took care of that. So now looking through some of my notes from the, from the game. Uh, one thing I think Florida State's going to have to do is I, I again, I, th- I think I mentioned this on the, uh, the, the hot takes podcast, but it's hard for me to remember what I did because I was driving and it was, you know, very, very late in the, well, it wasn't, it was not late in the night. It was very early in the morning. Uh, but, I do want to see more Rodney Hill. I think he brings the vision and burst to the table that they need against some of these better defenses. I think it would be better to see him rotate in a little earlier in, in some of these games. If uh, if Benson is is not hot, I think giving Hill a chance to come in and be that change of pace a little earlier would be good. I was calling for him you know, got my notes here in, in the third quarter, going into the third quarter. I want to see 29 at, at running back. FSU has missed Ward so far. <laughs> yeah. Well, when he came in, I think he, he validated that. Uh, another thing is I thought Florida State's offensive plan in the first half was not one of their best as an offensive staff. So when I was sitting in the, in, in the in the, in the stands, you know, I've got a good, I've got basically the offensive coordinator's view there, uh, from the, from the booth or a a typical offensive coordinator's view from the booth for those that sit in the booth. Uh, and what I kept seeing was LSU playing press type looks going one-on-one where you've got a, a receiver with all that field opportunities where just let the receiver eat. And FSU came in determined, I think, to just give Jordan Travis easy throws with screen game and some of, the, some of the perimeter stuff. And they really played around with a lot of that stuff early. When I was sitting there and looking at my notes, I'm going, just take the one-on-ones. I mean, my, uh, here, these were my halftime notes. FSU has looked like the more talented team. Just have to settle down and execute. Take the post routes they're giving you. Just take the one-on-ones because through that first half, yes, Keon Coleman had the one long touchdown. Yes. Johnny Wilson had multiple catches and you you had Coleman with a few others, but it didn't look to me like they were determined to just take advantage of those one-on-ones downfield in the way that I thought they, they could and should have early on when they came out in the second half. And they knew LSU was going to play them that way, that they were going to go just single coverage on those guys. They started to just take advantage of those downfields. And, <laughs> you know, third quarter, one of the first things in my notes, Coleman is a bad man. There's the post. Because that post out of, the, out of the end zone or nearly out of the end zone was exactly what I'd been calling for for two quarters to that point. I'm looking at it and as a play caller. If I'd seen that, 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 uh, that structure, and I had the receivers I have against those guys. I'd be going, all right, let's run mills. Let's run, you know, let's run uh double post. Let's run a variety of these things to just get me my one-on-one and let those guys go up and get it. Uh, let's, you know, take vertical choice. Let's run slot fade. Let's, let's get these one-on-ones and just keep, keep eating downfield. Let's win those 80, 20 balls. And they they did that in the second half. Once they did, once they committed to doing that, LSU had no chance. They had no answer for that. That's when they finally found rhythm. I thought in the first half, they were trying to kind of force a square peg and a round hole a little bit in terms of running into the structure of what LSU uh, was was ultimately trying to take away. And I think in the second half, they figured out, look, Perkins isn't going to be a problem on some of the deeper drop stuff. And secondly, they cannot handle the, cor- the our, our receivers downfield and that's when they stepped on the gas. Like to see that a little earlier. Normally, Norvell and Atkins they identify that stuff right away a little earlier, and you'll see them go to that a little earlier. I think in this one they 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 tried to protect Travis a little bit more and uh, and establish some other stuff early on. And some of that stuff paid off in the second half. But I think they could have gone to some of the uh, the downfield stuff a little earlier. And this game probably doesn't look like it does in the first half because they they probably get a couple of those long plays in the first half. So, yeah. So beyond that, I, you know, I have, I could say a lot more, but, um, we're just going to go ahead and wrap there for, for this one. Uh, I'm running out of time here. I've got to go ahead and uh, get to my other job, but, uh, but we'll go ahead and wrap this as a, uh, as a follow-up episode, and then I'm going to try to get one more sort of week one over reactions where I may come in with a few more things from this game, Uh, but I'm going to take a a national look and then I'll do a brief preview of, uh, the Southern Miss game, which I don't think will be a problem for this team. So, uh, yeah, I enjoy it. Florida state got a legit top three, top four team in this, in this, and, uh, they they'll have as good a chance as anybody to not only make, but win the college football playoff, especially given, uh, what the rest of the conference and what the rest of the, uh, FSU schedule is gonna look like. I'm I'm not sure, honestly, that there is a another I'm not sure that Florida State didn't just play the best team on their schedule. And I'm not sure that that there's another team on in in on the schedule that's gonna be able to keep this offense under 40 points because I think this is an offense that is capable of executing and putting up forty points, even in a bad performance. I mean, they had a bad half. This was a C plus, maybe B minus level performance for Florida State. And they beat the door they, they they beat the doors off of a very good football team with their C game, or at least with no better than their B game. That's the scary thing, is that this Florida State team can be a lot better than they were against LSU, and they absolutely beat the doors off of a very, very good team. We'll wrap there. This has been Unconquered with Doc Staples. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening like to thank my advertising partners, EPR Creations, Lewis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, Shenandoah Real Estate at shenrealestate.com and the Research Triangle of North Carolina, Garage Makeovers in South Florida. And then, of course, if you have not stopped by the Unconquered Podcast shop at unconqueredpodcast.com, you can buy stickers and all sorts of other gear. Go ahead and do that. Always helps support the podcast. Thanks also to those supporters over at Patreon, where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast from supporters. I'm especially grateful to those above the dynasty level. That is Andrew Garrett, Brian Leininger, Jonathan Kennedy, Lee Caswell, Travis Smith, Tyler Kasischke, Dave Blair, and Bert Bertoldi. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave a five-star rating over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, post us on social media, and tell a friend. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this.